Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name is Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. And before I introduce you to our guest today, I'd like to start by sharing our community's preamble. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truths, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth of each of us needs to build the life of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment, one day at a time. Jerry Hicks called it the Sunday and we call it the answer to all of our prayers. So I'd like to introduce you to Chloe Cannon. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's right. Good day. Hi. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Chloe's the mom of two and soon to be three. Is that right? Next Tuesday, I'm due, yeah, with number three, boy number three. (laughs) Very close. Oh, you are very close. What a trooper. You're on the podcast with your kids seven days from. Why not? Oh, yeah. Better to do it now than after because I'll be really busy. Well, busier after. So, yeah. So, you have um, your boys are young. Tell us a little bit about their ages. Uh, Noah, who is my eldest, he's, you can hear him in the background there, he's three and a half, so he is my ASD baby, he's level two in, well, in Australia here we give them levels, so I'm not sure if that's universal, um, because I think in the UK they don't, but he is um, considered ASD two here, and he was actually just recently diagnosed in July this year, so it's all fresh. All really fresh for us here. But and then I have my second son, Rohan, who is one and a half. And I think the levels are just basically to explain the kind of therapy support that they need. The so it's just one being the least amount of support or what people like to refer to as high functioning. So they just don't need as much help through supportive therapies. And then there's two, which is where Noah's at right now. And then there's three, which is being like the most severe or needing the most support, having the most sensory sensitivity when in public and in in everyday interactions. So I actually have a nephew who is 18 just this past year who is level three. Full spectrums. I think my my mom was probably the first because we'd had such a journey with my nephew I mentioned, Indiana. He didn't get diagnosed till he was about eight. And... I think we just, as a collective family, I'm the fourth daughter in my family and they all had 
children because they're a lot older than me, my siblings. So I think as a collective, when we finally got Indiana diagnosed, we all kind of like grouped together and read all the books and did all the research so that when it finally came time to me having children or other children showing up the family, when we started to notice little little things here and there when Noah was probably about two, I was like, hmm, maybe this is food for thought. And then as time went on, more and more things just started collectively. More things I was like, yeah, I definitely need to take him to a pediatrician because there's definitely something, I don't know what. Sorry, baby in the background here. I was like, there's definitely something going on. I don't know what, but we just knew enough and observed enough that we were like, okay, yeah, these are the little flags popping up that are telling us that he needs extra support or help communicating himself because he was quite speech delayed. So that was one of the big things. I was like, hmm. Can you tell us, like, what's that feel like when you're a mom, you love your child unconditionally? and you're missing milestones how does that affect how did that affect you i think especially being a first-time mom it's really hard because you want for sorry my toddlers asking for things i think it's just really hard because you want so much for your child to be understood in the world that's like your main desire for them to be able to communicate their needs not only to you but when they go to childcare or when they go to school or when they're with other family a big thing is I think as humans you want to be understood and I think the big thing about a lot of nonverbal or speech delayed ASD kids is that it's scary because you want to connect with your child and understand them as well so it's like a big thing because you're like I don't know it, it is of course the same for other parents when they say those first words or the babble breaks through and you're like, oh, you want to, you want a yogurt? And they're like, yes, finally, you, you, you get what I'm saying. You understand me. And there's this big light bulb moment where you're like, oh, thank God I get you. And they're like, thank God you finally get me. So I just, it's hard when it starts and you're, you're doing all these troubleshooting things to try and connect with them and try and understand them. And because AST is a communication disorder, it's like a, it's like very hard for them to communicate emotions, needs. And then in general, it's just when you finally get to a point where you're like, okay, they're struggling here. It's really confronting because you're like, is it going to improve? Am I going to be able to support them so that one day, you know, other people can communicate with them? Because especially as parents, you know, your toddler will rattle off three minutes of babbling or their special words and they're like, oh, he wants to watch this. Oh, he wants this snack and everyone's like what <laughs> you get it it's that desire for other people also to get them and to understand them and to be able to communicate with them I think is a big thing it's a big concern is both of my children they don't go to childcare, um so they're just with me most of the time and that's that's a big thing because Noah's three and a half now but in Australia they go to school um at five so over the next um, year and a half, he has to kind of be able to be supported to a place up to where he can tell somebody when he needs to go to the toilet or say that he's hungry or say that he's thirsty or say if he's hurt. And it's like huge bounds. So it's all very, it's confronting. And depths to where our minds go, at least that's been my experience. Yeah. It's fairly fresh. 
Yes. I was diagnosed at two, and I'm not like an old pro or anything yet. Um, it's a journey. Have you emotionally, personally, have have you seen any changes? I mean, I personally like went into depression, handle it great at first, you know. Yeah. How have you kind of gone through this process in the short period that you've gone through it? It was like, since it was just July this year, it's, I'm emotional anyway, <laughs> because I, I was six months or seven months or six months pregnant when I found out. And I think that I, I had faced the reality of it. I already had accepted that he was before we received the diagnosis. I was like, no, he definitely is. I just need to know where he's at and what he needs to help him the most, to support him the most. And my husband and I, I actually have a, a really good friend of mine growing up from high school and she's also on the spectrum as well. She has just had twins and I has a baby the same age as my second son. And I tried to tell her, my husband, like, but look how much she can do. Like she's still a very functional, high achieving adult. So just because he may be on the spectrum doesn't mean he's not going to live a, a full life. So I tried to explain that to my husband that way because he wasn't, he never had anybody on the spectrum in his family before, never experienced it. Whereas I think because I had past experience with Indiana, it didn't phase me as much. And at first I was like really fine. But then I uh, had a an appointment uh, a couple of weeks later with um, his general practitioner to start planning to get funding for disability services here in Australia. And the doctor was saying, well, you're going to have to push him to go to childcare for social stuff. You're going to have to drop him off and leave him. And he gets severe separation anxiety. And I just started bawling my eyes out. Like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. And then, you know, I just, I realized he is my child and what he's comfortable with and what I'm comfortable with. That's the line we draw and we'll take it in smaller steps if we have to, because what you think is here and what, what I have to deal with are two different worlds, especially things like, I mean, even going to the dentist is like a massive, a massive to do. He's on a waiting list to be put under at the hospital because he won't let anybody look in his mouth. So there's like, it's hard when you're interacting with all these other medical professionals that you have to liaise with. And they, they have like this standard where they're like, this is where it is. And you're trying to explain to them, but this is what I'm dealing with. And you're trying to avoid as much, trauma for your child as possible too so it's it's just the one thing the pediatrician said that he said at the meeting when we um had no diagnosed that has just hit home at every turn since the diagnosis as he goes it's hard work and children are not easy by any means i as a young mum know that but um i think ever since i accepted that he was on the spectrum I don't know if it's age or something, but the things that I've noticed more have just amped up in terms of his need as well. So it's just been very, it's a roller coaster. Some days you have really, really good days. And then some days when they fight you to get out of the shopping center and they're having a meltdown and it's overload and they don't want to go in the car seat but you have to because it's illegal not to put them in and then you feel like you're torturing them and just mm -hmm. you sit behind mm -hmm. the steering wheel and you cry yeah. and then you yeah. get drive through donuts because you feel bad <laughs> it's just like yeah it's good days and bad days and it's just 
sometimes you have to break it down to, okay, today I got him to brush his teeth with water and I got him to eat something more than pretzels. That's a win. I like that. For myself, in the beginning, I was trying to change my child so that my life would come okay. That was like the way I that's the way I thought about it. Well, if he starts talking, if he starts doing this, if he starts doing this, then life is going to go back to normal. But I'm Regular. a new parent and I have no idea how to be a parent. And so I have no idea what normal is. And uh-huh. for me, when I started letting go of the child needing to do something, life became a lot brighter for me because yeah. It seems like we try to like, when you go to the doctor and they try to put you in a particular category. And that's why I really admire the way you're, you're saying that we have our own voice. We have our own family voice and this is how we feel. And I respect that because I think a lot of people just kind of get thrown into the, the herd and then sometimes say, wait a second, I, you know, I'm not comfortable yeah. here. This isn't where I feel like we need to be. And. Yeah, I think a huge part a huge part of it is being like a really strong advocate for your child, especially when they don't have their own voice or they're really young or they don't have a way to communicate their needs at all. Yeah, I've had it with dentists, I've had it with just people in general and public too, not understanding what's happening or approaching them in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable. And I've even it even comes down to family members when they want hugs or want to have a one-on-one up close eye contact conversation with him and he's hiding under a table because he's not in that place just trying to explain to them you know it's okay don't feel personally rejected by him this is just where he's at this is what he's feeling right now like and just advocating for them and saying well this is the world we live in but this is how they see the world we live in and you've got to approach them differently and respect that I've even had it with my husband because he it's our first child and both of our children are very 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 different of course not only because the ASD because they're just different people it's really interesting because Rohan is like extremely affectionate extremely cuddly constantly climbing on me and Noah is very particular like he has to come to you if he wants to give you a cuddle or a pat on the back and so it's like this rare thing, like when someone has a cat that no one's allowed to touch and they come sit on your lap and you're like, I am chosen. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. Just, just don't breathe. <laughs> don't breathe. He's kind of like that. It's taken, even now we have times where I'm just like, okay, his hat, he's not in a good state. You've got to just leave him. And he wants to give him a kiss goodnight. And he goes to give him a kiss goodnight on the head and then he'll start bawling his eyes out and I just said oh and he's like I just wanted to say and I was like I know but he's just not in that place and so I just we're learning still it's like you're just thrown in there and you've just got to pick it up on the way but yeah it is very much about advocating for their needs in all things like especially like I said the schooling thing the schooling thing's a big thing for me because I'm tossing up whether to homeschool or not whether he'll be more supported um, and then it's like, will I be able to do it? Because I do have two other children and money as well, because the cost of living is rising crazy. And, you know, it's just like, there's like a bunch of things 
can consider with it all. But yeah, it's very much about it's other parents. When you talk to other parents when they have ASD children, you're like, oh, my dentist wants me to use this toothpaste that's like mint flavored with this certain type of bristles, and you're just like, yeah, it's fine when they're two. And you ha you can hold them in your arms and go, oh, quickly, we'll just do it quickly. But then when you have an 11-year-old one day trying to kick you <laughs> because you're holding them down to brush their teeth, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. So it's a different set of rules. It's almost like a different um, world of parenting that you're opened up to because your kid has a completely different set of needs to. I can tell you from person to another journey is extremely emotional. I just took both of my to the dentist. They have me hold them when they put on under the anesthesia. And I mean, it feels like they're killing my bit. You know, I mean, it's just... It's traumatic. No, it's, it's awful. It's awful. And you feel like I said, like the, the toothbrushing is one of those things that's just awful. The haircuts, haircuts are pretty awful. Yeah, the haircut. And my son, Noah, actually, he has a like a large birthmark over half of his body. He's had it since birth. Um, and he actually, before we found out he was diagnosed when he was around one, he actually had to have a biopsy. So they had to do like two centimetre punctures out of his leg. And they were numbed, but I had to hold him. And that was while I was pregnant with his brother. So I had to lay down pregnant, pinning him to me while they did that. And he hates being like constrict it and it was just to this day I just like it I have PTSD from anything to do with having to give him needles for vaccinations having to do anything medical with him because it's just it was awful it's just like I'm lucky that I live in a place where it's like mostly warm and our winter is like 17 degrees because he just wants to be noodled <laughs> time running around in a nappy and then sometimes I'm like you know what buddy just run around in a nappy and a singlet for now because today it's not a health requirement for you to wear clothes and I'm not going to fight you on it. But then when it's those things like dental care and having hair that's not matted and, and having to have those needles and stuff, when you're forced into a place where you you have to do it, it's I can't explain how awful it is. So I, I completely feel you <laughs> on what you had to go through this morning because it's just like, so unpleasant but yeah. it's like you, know, you feel like you're abusing them but it's like but that but it has to be done i've got no other way um trying to keep in my this as of late is a lot of the most experiences of my life or like growth opportunities in my life came from situations or scenarios that were less than pleasant looking back yeah. and so i try to remind myself that life doesn't always work the way my head thinks it's supposed to work at yeah. okay like maybe some of these things get emotional about or feel maybe i don't maybe i i don't need to be putting that kind of pressure or kind you know on that situation maybe it's only bad because i'm choosing for it to be bad not because it's actually bad i just try i try to put that in situations like I just throw that out there just, you know, for the listeners, for you, for me. Definitely. Yeah, hugely. And, and like I said before, it's like definitely about you have good days, you have bad days. And 
everything's like a learning curve. So like if your child is currently into just for instance, a food is a big thing. So your child's really into bananas and you're like, okay, great. I'm going to buy lots of bananas. And then all of a sudden they've decided midweek and you've got 10 bananas that they don't like them anymore and you don't eat them. But it's just like, I can get angry at this and I can get upset and I can get like disheartened and be like, well, for God's sake, now I have to make banana bread because all the bananas are going to rot and give it to a neighbor or something. And I've wasted the money. You go, well, maybe they'll circle back to it. And we know that he doesn't mind the texture of that. So what's a fruit that's similar, you know, in a couple of months because he is eating my, Noah's eating bananas right now. But three months ago, he wasn't. Or six months ago, he was. So it's like when they're limited on food, it's like, but maybe we get to circle back to this. And it's just one of those things where it's like take it in stride because you can be having a day where they're like, like I said, only eating pretzels and drinking milk. But then you can have a day where they try something new and you're like, have I unlocked a new food category? That's amazing. So it's like good days, bad days. Good days, bad days. Do you have any... I mean, it's not like you time to take care of yourself tricks or breathing techniques or stretches or something that helps you through some of these challenging times that can cause anxiety. Just perspective that the more you put into your child, the more later on in life you're going to have a good relationship with them which is something that taking the time to try and understand them and be with them, you know, it's worthwhile. Even if it's almost like ASD, I kind of view it as in there's all these locked up doors and every time you get past the new thing, you're unlocking a new level. So it's like really rewarding. But when you're dealing with that, of course, you do need to make time for yourself. And it sounds really, really strange. But about two months ago, I decided that even if my kids were awake, 10 like five minutes before me and they were the ones to wake me up I would make all the beds in the house and I would wash my face with warm water and I would put moisturizer on my face every morning before I did anything else and it takes 10 minutes to do and it seems really really trivial and really silly but when I got no other housework done when I couldn't get him to eat until 10 o'clock in the morning when oh sorry Get me a little boy. <laughs> yeah, from under there. When I had his brother covered in food in the background. You know, at the end of the day, I looked around and all the house, all the beds in the house were made and it made the rooms look neater. And I had brushed my hair and washed my face and I didn't feel, I didn't walk past the mirror and go, oh my gosh, what is happening there? It's small things. Like, even if you're like, okay, no, I'm going to have a hot tea or a coffee this morning even if I don't get to eat till a little bit later on today before I get them off to school I'm going to do one kind thing for yourself even if it's when your partner gets home I'm going to shower alone with them not sitting on the iPad outside the shower case I'm going to do this one thing so I just say pick one thing that makes you feel like you did something and try and make that a routine thing because it sounds weird, but the washing the face and the making the beds makes me feel like even if I get nothing else done in the day, I don't look like I just rolled out of a dumpster and all the beds are made. So when it's nap time or when it's time to go to bed, I'm like, oh, fresh made bed, thank God. 
<laughs> it sounds really strange, but before I started doing that, I would just have days where I'd sit there at two in the afternoon after getting the littlest one down for a nap and he would be bouncing off the walls because he was tired, but he wouldn't calm down and I'd have nowhere to rest and I'd just feel awful. I'd look awful in my opinion and it would. I would look around and it would seem like I got nothing done, nothing was achieved. So there's two small things that take 10, 15 minutes maybe in between making breakfast and other things. This makes a difference to the day. Totally Even if you're sitting in the traffic lights on the way to taking them to school and you've got a packet of wet wipes in your car and you wipe down your dash and the front of your car is at least clean. And then on the way back from school, you drive through and you get yourself your favorite drink and you're like, okay, yes. What I can see when I drive is clean. <laughs> I have this, this is my thing. This is good. I'm going to have a good day. It's just something to to fill your fill your cup back up because when you're constantly giving and giving and giving and then you think you're done but then they have a hard time with something and you're like okay giving and giving and giving and you feel empty and then you have these like miniature breakdowns like I said crying in the car when they have a meltdown it's because you're not making sure to fill your cup so that there's more to give to them so yeah just pick small things pick small achievable things one or two things a day and then you won't feel so oh I got nothing done today I'm doing a bad job. I'm failing as a parent. The house is a mess. They're not eating anything. I didn't make it to ABA or I didn't make it to speech therapy pathology today. I'm just like not doing what I meant to. It's just like, well, but the front of my car is clean and I had a drive through, so it's fine. Wow. <laughs> kind of like I don't personally have to deal with a big bunch of it and I think it's because of his age he's three he has tantrums a big thing for me currently is to figure out when he's in an overwhelmed emotional meltdown or when he's just having a tantrum and showing a bit of attitude as it is such a big difference and it's something to learn as a parent but um there's a couple of weeks before he got diagnosed actually we were at church um and he was messing with the door and he was nearly slamming some kids fingers in it so I had to step in and take him away from it and he got really really upset and I thought it was just a tantrum because I didn't like assume it was a meltdown at the stage because he was not yet confirmed I physically grabbed him and I moved him away from the area and he got really mad and he started kicking and screaming and getting worse and worse and worse and then I said okay we've got to leave and then he bit me really badly and it ended up bruising for a week and he broke the skin and I was like well is this something that I'm gonna to have to always deal with like being hurt him being violent sometimes like it's a big thing and, and that's what I refer to as in dark darker things like it's it's not something you necessarily have to deal with with every child but there are some parts about it with the way that react that are like, whoa, that's very full on. <laughs> but at the same point, it was like, now that I understand he was probably melting down and I shouldn't have touched him. And I should have just like, now I, I know different ways to handle that would have been like, okay, 
we're going to go to a quiet place now and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to let you hash it out emotionally. I'm going to say to you, I'm here for you when you're ready and not touch it. Then it's like, then you get a totally different reaction. And like I said, <laughs> sorry, he's talking. Um, like I said, it's those it's leaps and bounds of learnings in each situational thing that you come across where you're like, okay. I didn't understand what his needs were. And if I was ever in a situation, then if that I saw that happening, I think I would say to a family member, don't touch him, just stand back because this is what's going to happen if you grab him right now. And, like, then you can advocate their needs to other people, like I said. Um, and it's just one of those things where I see a lot of posts on support groups and stuff I'm up with people you know, he's biting me, he's punching, he's banging his head against the wall, he's, he's um, breaking technology, he's throwing things, and it's like, well, I've been there, but there is, like, yeah, very confronting side to some of the behaviours and ways that they deal. Um, that's that's what the dark, dark, stormy things I refer to as, in, like I relate to in that quote. But then there's so many things that there's an endless list of, like, amazing positive things that, that each child is so unique and creative and amazing that it's like there's a beautiful, beautiful side to the way their minds see the world too. So it's like that's why that quote's cool because it's like yes. Yes. it's not all bad. <laughs> so it's kind of like the pediatrician said, it's going to be hard work, but it's going to be worthwhile if you put the work in. So that's what he said to me. He had... um. His son has a friend at high school who, when he first came to school, he would hand flap, stim all day, every day, and the only word he could say was banana all day. When they were in the first grade of primary school, that's all his friend's son could manage. And now you'd have full conversations with him and he doesn't do any of it. So it's just like, well, the more you support them, the more they're going to be able to do whatever that may be for them individually and it's like so when you go through those really rough phases where you're like this isn't this isn't like you it's just like just remember like I said it's like a bunch of locked doors and each one you can unlock like the biting and then you found that it was a sensory need and then you can find things to fix that sensory need and it's just like yes okay we've unlocked this door next step yes okay yes. Ride the roller coaster of emotions when you have a child that's initially diagnosed because um, it changes as they change and you change with them, I feel, after you get a diagnosis. It's not just a change for them, it's a change for both of you. So he's like, I've had enough of you talking. Um, so I think, yeah, it's... Just just write it out until you're at a point of acceptance. And once you're there, then you can start working with them to a place of understanding. Well, everybody in Naked Parent Nation, I want to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We'll see if Chloe logs back in here, but I hope you were able to pick out the pearls that she shared with us about taking care of yourself, even if it's 10 minutes. I love the idea of starting your day with something that's taking care of yourself. I think it just sets the day on the right course. And I love to hear what all of you in Naked Parent Nation are doing to start your day right.
I think that'd be a great, a great forum that we could create. So I think that will end today's show. And I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining us today. I did create a vision for you, which we'll try. I'll, I'll read it. And if you have feedback, please email me and let me know your thoughts on this vision for you, for us, really. If life is challenging, if we're feeling sad and lonely, if we're feeling overwhelmed, Naked Parent Nation and the Naked Parent Podcast provides a framework for living that will allow us a perspective shift, helping life become bright, wondrous, and joy-filled. We will see how the path we've traveled can help other parents on a similar journey. No matter how dark life is today, we will be able to shed feelings of being a victim, feelings of loss, and come to accept and enjoy life exactly as it is. How we perceive our lives will change. We will come to understand that higher consciousness will allow us the life of our dreams and beyond. Are these promises realistic? We think they are. Parents in Naked Parent Nation are realizing these promises sometimes quickly and sometimes slowly. The vision will become your reality if you put in the work. Through self-care, meditation, love for our families, and divine consciousness, may we all build a life beyond our wildest dreams. So I want to wish you all a wonderful rest of your day, and thank you again for listening, and we hope to see you next time on our next episode. So long for now. This concludes our show for today, and I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long.